Oh, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we can come together, uh, recognising that it's not an opportunity that many are having, even in our area, Lord. We think of those down the range and further who are meeting online. We pray that you would bless them even in that time, God. We pray that you would, uh, yeah, that they would have a sense of your spirit with them even as they meet online. God, we give you thanks for your word, uh, which is true, which is stable, on which we can stand. And we pray that you would help us, Lord, to seek your will for us through your word today. God, as we look to it, might we have open hearts and open minds to hear what it is that you would have us do and give us your empowerment by your spirit to do it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It's hard to believe that it was two months ago, but two months ago, uh, almost exactly, we had uh, Dan and Mark here for our uh, future planning process. They were here for a weekend on behalf of Queensland Baptists uh, to help us in a process of planning for the future. And the board met uh, last weekend to discuss the recommendations that came from that. And they wrote us this really thorough report, actually. It was a, quite a solid report, had a lot of stuff in it, a lot of good recommendations in there, which we'll share with you as we go along. Uh, but one of the things that they flagged in there that I wanted to talk about today, um, just a little sentence in the report that I think really should cause us to sit up and listen. And it might seem like I'm starting out on a negative, I guess I am, uh, but I should also say that by and large the report was really, really positive. Um, they felt that Outlook was a really healthy church. In fact, they said it was one of the healthiest in the Queensland Baptist movement, which is a big call, but that's what they said. Uh, and they spoke really highly of, of what we're doing here, who we are, uh, our, our sense of values, our sense of community. Uh, and so that was great. Basically, they felt like it was a great church, which is true. It is a great church. It's a great church to be a part of. But one area that they did note in terms of weakness was the area of prayer. They said prayer culture and practice are alarmingly low. Now, that's a worry. Um... Maybe it's not surprising for some of us. We've been trying to do some stuff in this space over the last six months uh, to try and improve our prayer culture. We recognise that it needed work. But the thing is that it doesn't matter how healthy of a church we are, it doesn't matter uh, how much energy and positivity and passion there might be, if we, if we will not continue to experience health as a church if we don't start getting serious about prayer. I think the scriptures are clear. If we are prayerless then we are powerless. So without prayer, the energy that we have will soon be sapped uh, and any fruit that we're seeing will wilt and die. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying in the passage we're going to be looking at today. We're taking a break from our series in Mark just for a week. Uh, we're at the end of one section. We're about to move into another section. So it's a good time to take a bit of a break. And we're going to look at the, uh, the topic of prayer. And so we're in John today, John 15. If you have your Bible, John 15, verses 5 to 8. So you can turn to that passage, uh, and it will also be on the screen behind me. It's John 15, 5 to 8. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And so as is always the case, 
when you just kind of pick a couple of verses. We've got just a few verses here, but they sit within a larger context uh, in the Scriptures. And if we were to read from the start of John 15, we would see that Jesus is trying to paint this really kind of vivid picture uh, of um, the relationship between vines and uh, vine dresses, the vines, the branches, the vine dresses. There's some sense where uh, the vines really only exist because of the work that the vine dresser is doing. And so as he's painting this picture, Jesus tells us, well, I, he, being he, he is the vine, you are the branches, being us, we are the branches, and the Father is the vine dresser. And so then he, he proceeds to talk about the close attention that the Father pays to his vine and to his branches. He tells us that uh, those branches that don't produce fruit will be cut off, and he tells us that all of the branches will be trimmed and uh, cut back so that they can grow more fruit, so they might bear more fruit. There's this kind of intentionality and care involved. It's like God, the vine dresser, is engaging closely with his branches and with his vine, and it makes sense. Uh, Craig Keener, who's a commentator, he's a historic commentator, actually has a lot of things to say about history. Uh, he tells me that the, the, of all the fruit plants in the world, the vine, the grapevine, requires the most attention. It's like the needy, it's the needy friend of the plant world. Like it, it has all these, it needs this constant care. The vines need support, and so the, the vine dresser has to build kind of trellises for them to grow on. There is that constant need for pruning and for trimming. They need protection from the elements. And so there's this kind of ongoing intentional work that is required. And so when God features in this imagery as the vine dresser, there's a sense where uh, he, uh, I've gone to the wrong page there. There's a sense where Jesus is trying to show us the sort of closeness that God wants to have with us and that we need to have with God. And so God really wants to care for us like the vine dresser cares for the vines and the branches. And similarly, we, we require this kind of intensive care from God. Jesus says this for us in no uncertain terms when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so he doesn't say, apart from me, you, you know, things will be less than ideal. Or like, apart from me, you can do some things, but not other things. He says, no, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, obviously, there's some sense where we can do lots of things without Jesus. There's people out there who spend their whole lives doing things without Jesus. They go uh, about their day uh, without a care at all for what Jesus has to offer. And often they'll say things to us like, well, I don't really sense any sense, of, I don't have any sense of need or lack or want, and so why would I need Jesus? Why would I need what he uh, can offer me? And more concerningly than this, I think, there are, there are a certain number of Christians who come to church every Sunday and just do kind of church things, also without much thought towards Jesus, the vine or God, the vine dresser. And so there's a bunch of believers who just play church. That's the terminology we use. They just play church. They just turn up each week. You know, they do the thing. They, they drink the cup of tea. They talk about the weather. And then they go, they go home and they just live their lives as if uh, Jesus the vine, Christ, uh, didn't matter at all, as if they, they have no sense of what God might be doing in their lives. And some of us might even be in this camp. Some of us might just be playing church. We might just be turning up to do the things, but essentially we're doing them without Christ. And the prayerless believer, I think, is in this camp. A prayerless believer lives the life of a functional atheist. 
And so they pay lip service to God uh, and the relationship they have with him, but they just don't live that relationship out in any way. Just like they talk about on Sundays uh, and then they don't think about it anymore. And so that's why here at Outlook, we are keen to help people in Toowoomba and beyond become fully devoted followers of Christ by the power of, of the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't want people who play church. We want disciples who disciple. We want, we want to help one another to pursue this uh, vital, active relationship with Jesus such that we are fully committed, whole-of-life disciples. We believe it when Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Because while we can do lots of things without Jesus, we really can't do anything of any value or of any importance or of any worth without him. And so if we are not fully devoted followers of Christ, we can do nothing of value for God or for his kingdom. Or to use the analogy that's offered for us in the passage, we cannot bear fruit apart from Jesus. I flagged a few weeks ago how in the Old Testament, writers would often use uh, the vine imagery to represent Israel, and normally they would use it negatively, uh, and so it would be Israel is the vine, uh, but essentially um, they would be saying that this vine of Israel has produced what they call wild, tr wild fruit or bad fruit. And so the implication is that Israel has turned away from God, they've rejected God, and so instead of bearing good fruit, they bear wild fruit, they bear bad fruit. Uh, really, that's only worth cutting off and throwing away. And so without God, they cannot bear any uh, good fruit. They can only bear bad fruit. And so it is in the New Testament as well. We can only bear good fruit when we abide in Christ. And so any fruit that we create, any fruit that we produce outside of that relationship is wild fruit or bad fruit. And I think we should find that imagery alarming. One of our values here at Outlook is that we want to be a Bible-based, or we are a Bible-based church. And so whatever we do, we want to take the Word of God seriously. We want to read it. We want to preach from it. Uh, we want to be trying to live our lives uh, according to it. And the reason for this is because we know that if we fail to be Bible-based, then we are liable to get it very, very wrong. Like, if we aren't regularly and continually looking to God's word, then we can just so easily be swayed by the culture of the day, by the political influences around us, and by that spirit of selfishness that lives within us. We can so easily be persuaded, swayed into producing wild fruit. And if we look around at some of the other, at some churches that might be missing the mark, we might think that they're not really getting it right. I think almost definitely we will find that they are not a Bible based church. We'll find a church that doesn't take the Bible seriously. It doesn't read the Bible, doesn't preach from the Bible. They tend to preach kind of felt needs messages, self-help messages, all that sort of thing. But the problem with self-help messages are that they're not, they're not the gospel. In fact, I think they're the anti-gospel. Because that style of preaching, um, it seems the world around us seems like they want to have a self-help message, but they don't. Eventually, self-help will make you feel tired. It'll make you feel worn out. It'll make you feel discouraged. Why? Because it tells you that in order to be better, you have to try harder. You have to do more stuff. But the gospel says, stop trying to do stuff. Stop trying to do it yourself and instead abide in Christ. It tells us that we cannot do stuff to make us better, to make our standing with God better. We simply must yield to Christ more and more. 
And so if the church is not Bible-based, then they will inevitably bear wild fruit. Well, from this passage and other passages like it, we learn that the same is true of a prayerless church. A church that is not prayerful, a church that is not abiding in Christ in the way that only prayer can facilitate, is at just as much risk of producing wild fruit as a church that's not Bible-based. And so we are a Bible-based church, but we need also to be a prayer-based church. We need to take prayer seriously, or otherwise we are liable to bear bad fruit as well. Jesus warns in our passage for today, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. And so whether, whether we like it or not, prayer is powerful. And I say whether we like it or not because we are often hesitant to talk about the power that comes through prayer because we're a bit worried that it's going to lead to some kind of wacky theology. But in the end, we need to realise that when we pray, we abide in Christ. And so not to pray is to not abide in Christ. And anyone that does not abide in Christ withers, we learn in our passage today. Anyone who does not abide in Christ becomes powerless and weak and ineffective. They become good for nothing except for use uh, as kindling in the fire. There's a sense where if we do not abide in Christ, we are kind of cut off from the very source of life and vitality. And so if anyone, Jesus says, if anyone does not abide in me, he or she is thrown away like a branch and withers. And so there's a sense where that branch has been uh, kind of removed from its life source. And so while it might seem like it's living for a, for a little while, it will inevit inevitably um, wither. And that's true of us as well. We can go through the motions uh, for a certain amount of time uh, without taking prayer seriously, but inevitably we will become tired and worn out and weary Because when we fail to abide in Christ, in prayer, well, then we cut ourselves off from that very source of life and vitality. And so the things that we do, if we're not praying, are not done in the strength of Christ. They're not done in Christ's strength. They're done in our own strength, in our own power. And our own power is finite. We will find the end of it. We cannot fail to pray as a church and continue to see fruit for the kingdom of God. And so in that sense, a prayerless church is a powerless church. Like a branch that withers and dies, we too will eventually find the end of ourselves. We will, we will find that we become spiritually weary and discouraged, uh, maybe even spiritually dead. Prayerlessness is powerlessness in the sense that if we fail to pray, we will eventually wither like a branch cut off from its life source. And so Jesus says, abide in me, remain in me as your life source. And he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so this is that thing I flagged last week. It's one of those passages that says, uh, kind of ask and you will receive type passages. And they can be, they can be misrepresented. Uh, saying things like, ask hard enough, ask with the right words or the right amount of passion, uh, and God will give you things. But what they mean, what these sorts of verses mean, is if you abide in Christ, 
if you are prayerful, if you remain in communion with Christ through the reading of, the, uh, of your Bible and through prayer, then you will know the mind of Christ for you such that you can ask and receive. And so ask and receive always means ask according to Christ's will and see your prayers take shape and have, pray- and have power. And so that's where things can get tricky. Prayer is powerful. You can ask God for things and God can give those things, but only if you abide in Christ. Only if you are so devoted to Christ that your will is aligned with his will. You know, sometimes we make uh, the Christian life into something quite complicated, something quite difficult, uh, but once we get to the heart of, the, heart of it, I think, I think it's pretty straightforward. Essentially, you need to abide in Christ. And so whether you are struggling with sin or whether you're struggling with uh, doubt or whether you're struggling with a lack of energy and zeal, whatever it is, the solution to your problem is simply to abide in Christ, to press in and be fully devoted to Christ. And really that's what we learnt um, a month or two back when we did the 21 days of prayer for revival. We learnt that revival won't start because we pray the right thing or because we do the right thing. It'll only start if we actually get serious about being fully devoted followers of Christ. We press in through prayer and through scripture and we abide in Christ and it's only through that that we will see God move. And so the overflow of this kind of abiding uh, in Christ is this life of joy and energy and passion and power. It's a life where if we ask, we will receive because we have so aligned our mind with the mind of Christ, our will with the will of Christ, We finally start asking for the right things with the right motives and so we will see God powerfully move through us and in us. And so prayer is not powerful because it changes the mind of God. You can't pray to change God's mind. Instead, prayer aligns our minds with the mind of Christ. It it, uh, aligns our will with the will of Christ such that when we ask, then we will receive. It's this beautiful kind of living relationship but it's only possible if we take prayer seriously. Prayerfulness is powerful, but prayerlessness leads to powerlessness. And so a prayerless person, someone who fails to abide in Christ, is like dead wood. They might be green for a little while, but soon they will wilt and they will die and they'll be good for nothing but to be cast into the fire. So where are you you at in your own prayer life? Are you abiding in Christ? And so are you seeing his work in your life, in your heart and in your mind? Or are you trying to do it yourself? Are you just kind of prayerlessly uh, trying to muster up the courage and the energy while inside you're just slowly wilting away? We want to be a church where prayer is a central part of everything we do, a church which is drenched in prayer, because we know that it's through prayer that we will get the power that we need to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Like, we can't muster that up in our own energy and in our own strength. We can only do it through the power of prayer and through God's indwelling Holy Spirit. And so that's why we say that we want to be fully devoted followers of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not by our own power and our own mind, it's by his power. And so with that in mind, we have some opportunities coming up for prayer, some opportunities 
uh, to pray. And I want us all to seriously consider these things. How can we be involved in one or more of these? Because this is like, this is prayer. This is not for like the spiritually elite people. This is for everybody. Uh, And so we should all be involved in one or more of these ways. The first is that we have prayer time with our lovely prayer rug and prayer lamp and prayer uh, plant of a Sunday morning, which meets beside the stage after coffee uh, and a chat. And so about 15 or 20 minutes after the service finishes, someone will make an announcement. And then we spend 15 or so minutes just praying for various things uh, in the life of the fellowship here at church. And it really is an encouraging time together. Um, And so I would encourage you, I think it's a great place to start. If your prayer life is waning, if your prayer life is non-existent, then I would encourage you to to commit to coming and joining the prayer time after the service each Sunday. As uh, Warwick has already told us, you don't have to pray out loud. You can just be there uh, and kind of pray along in agreement with us. The second opportunity is Upper Room, which we have heard about is happening next week. It starts 5 o'clock next week. Uh, where we can come together uh, to worship and to pray for revival in our community. During the 21 days of prayer, uh, we hosted uh, a combined uh, QB uh, prayer night here at Outlook, and we found that it was such an encouraging time that we decided to make it uh, a regular part of our activities here as a church. And so you can commit to coming along next week, next Sunday at 5pm for worship and prayer. It is going to be a powerful time because we're going to press in and we're going to pray Uh, and we're going to see God move. And so we're excited about that, excited to see what God's going to do. And finally, on the the off nights, and so when Upper Room is not on, uh, but also monthly, that'll that'll become clear once it turns up in the newsletter. Um, But So monthly, but not on the same night as Upper upper Room. Anyway, we're going to be holding some nights of prayer for the future here at Outlook. And so based off of this passage, based on all the things that we've talked about here, we're going to call them abide nights. And so we are wanting to seek and discern God's vision for us as a church over the next five years. But we recognise that the only way we can do that is to abide in Christ. And so abide nights are prayer nights specifically aimed at asking, what is it that God would have us do here at Outlook over the next five years. And so more details will come out about this event shortly once I've come up with them. But I just wanted to flag it with you now so that we could be praying uh, even leading up to this first one, which will be on the 22nd of August. What is God calling us to do here at Outlook over the next five years? Because in the end, we could make plans, we can come up with all kinds of strategies, but if we don't drench that process in prayer... If we aren't abiding in Christ, in prayer, then we, we just will not succeed. We just won't. A prayerless church is a powerless church. And so let's press in as individuals and as a church family. Let's get serious about prayer and about abiding in Christ through prayer. Let's pursue Christ and his will for us as a church. Let's be fully devoted followers of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Oh God, we give you thanks that we have the opportunity to meet with you through prayer. We recognise that this is such a gift you've given us, and yet, Lord, sometimes we we treat that gift uh, with disdain. Sometimes we ignore you, Lord. Sometimes we just carry on with our lives as if we uh, had not a care in the world for what you would say, what you're doing in our lives, and we, we repent of that. 
God, we recognize that we can at times get caught up in the things we're doing uh, and forget to seek the things that you would have us do. And so, God, as we look at these opportunities before us, praying in the prayer time after a Sunday service, uh, joining with the at upper room or joining on an abide night, Lord, we pray that we would be a church that really abides in you. God, what might we be those branches that, God, uh, you are at work on, that you trim, that you uh, cut back? God, might we not be the branches that get cut off and cast aside? Help us to abide in you. Help us to press in to you, Lord. Help us to be fully devoted followers of Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.